Tonight's episode is brought to you by Buffalo Outdoor Center, JB Trading Company, SurvivalFeeling.com, and you, our listeners. Like my mom used to say, if you break both of your legs, don't come running to me. What is up, all of you wayward souls, and welcome once again to the Wayward Stories Podcast. I am Justin, your host, aka The Wayward Son, and I am psyched that you've come back yet again for episode 18 to join me for some more adventures in the great outdoors. Here at Wayward Stories, we're all about sharing the experience with each other. We're not here trying to be cool or jockey for position or make ourselves look better than the next guy on Instagram. We are here to share stories. We can't all go everywhere all the time so we can experience the world through each other's eyes, through each other's stories. Anything that you've got, we would love to share it. So write into us and tell us your story of adventure in the great outdoors at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. If you have a personal project, if you have photography, if you have your own podcast, if you have a website, anything that you're doing out there, being creative, trying to share yourself with the world, if you write in with a story, mention that so I can check it out and shout you out and get you some love out there and maybe get some more eyeballs onto your personal medium. Whatever it is that you care about, we're going to try to help each other out. That's what this is all about. That's what this platform is for. You guys got to get those stories written in. Once again, mywaywardstory at gmail.com. We're still looking for them. Um, how have y'all been this week? I don't know yet how I've been this week because I haven't lived this week yet. I am currently recording this last week. This week, I am going to be most likely near Louisville, Kentucky at work. So this week that I am currently living that is not yet in the future, which is going to be last week, by the way, your reckoning time as you listen to this right now, I am recording three episodes to cover me on my work trip, just in case it's impossible to record out there on the road. And let me tell you guys something. This is some work. One podcast episode a week takes some time. You know, you got to do your research. You got to make sure you have all your names right, all of your places, all of your (laughs) how high your elevations and everything else, because people are so picky about what you say and love to point out how wrong you are all the time when you put yourself out there in the world. Doing three back to back, three days in a row, like y'all, it takes a lot more time than I really realized until I kind of did it for three straight days this week. And so it's been a little bit of a hectic week to go along with all the other wonderful things I have to do, including, but not limited to, having to fix an unexpected issue with my car yesterday, which set me back a pretty penny. Um, But thankfully, I guess it happened now and not halfway from here to Kentucky. Um, And today included a dentist appointment. And I know how we all feel about a trip to the wonderful old dentist office. Um, but yeah, so it's been a little bit crazy. Um, trying to come up with three episodes worth of content, line it out in a reasonable format that you might find entertaining if we're lucky and, um, get these things recorded, but we're right in the middle of it so far. So good. At least I hope so. You guys will have to let me know, interact, holler at, holler at me and be like, look, dude, you sucked last week. That's fine. Just, you know, let me know. I'm all about constructive criticism. Um, 
This week, we're going to stay here in the state of Arkansas, and we are going back to the Ponca Wilderness. I know we've got several episodes that deal with this very particular area, but it is a very amazing and beautiful little area, and also being just two to three hours from where I live, I have lots and lots of stories about it. So it's lots and lots of content. It's lots of things you need to know about if you ever want to come to our great state and experience some of our natural wonders. So I know I've gone over what the Ponca Wilderness is in the past on previous episodes, but for anyone who's just now joining us and catching on to what we're doing here at Wayward Stories, I'm going to give you another real quick overview from NPS.gov. Buffalo National River has nearly 36,000 acres of designated wilderness within its boundaries. Three wilderness units, the Upper Buffalo Wilderness, the Ponca Wilderness, and the Lower Buffalo Wilderness. They make up more than one-third of the land of this area of this park, and each unit has its own unique story. According to the Buffalo River historian Kenneth Smith, the early 19th century European explorer Henry Schoolcraft made an expedition up the White River to write an eyewitness description of its tributaries and terrain. Of the quote-unquote Buffalo Fork of the White River, Schoolcraft documented a rugged and trying wilderness teeming with wildlife but no sign of permanent human settlement. Today, skilled adventurers can visit any unit of the Buffalo National River Wilderness, whether by canoe, on foot, or on horseback, and experience the quote-unquote Buffalo Fork, just as it was described by Henry Schoolcraft in the early 1800s. Bald eagles soar overhead, river otters swim and swirl in the shallows, a family of white-tailed deer hesitantly cross the river just yards in front of you before clambering up a rocky slope on the opposite bank. In this wilderness, you can spend days without seeing another human, yet you will undoubtedly be mesmerized by your company. Um, that's a really kind of romantic and beautiful description of this area, and it's very fitting. I do want to point out a couple of things. One is, you can spend days there without seeing another human, but that means it is incumbent upon you to go into the places where you won't see those other humans on multi-day floats, multi-day hikes, multi-day horseback rides back into that wilderness. The place we're going to talk about tonight and many of the places that are the most famous, what the Buffalo River area is most famous for, you're going to see many other people, like lots and lots of other people. Um, so I just want to clarify that because I don't want to give you an unfair characterization of what you're getting into. If you go up there expecting to find nobody anywhere, like that's not the case. You have to go to the places within this vast wilderness where there aren't all of those people. Um, additionally to that, this area is home to truly some of the most beautiful bluff faces you will ever see. Um, he mentioned a rocky slope. Let me tell you, some of the rocky slopes go as high as 505 feet or 550 feet. Sheer bluff faces. Like it's one of the characteristics the Buffalo, the upper Buffalo area is known for is the sheer limestone dolomite rock faces. They're absolutely stunning. They're a little bit breathtaking and they will absolutely stir and inspire you. But tonight, we're not just going to the Ponca Wilderness in general again. We've done that many times. We've been to Hemden Hollow. We've been to Big Bluff, overlooking the Buffalo River. We've been to a few places. Tonight, though, we're going to a very specific place. We're going to hike the Lost Valley Trail and explore Eden Falls and Eden Falls Cave. This, to me, 
super, super, super exciting. I can't wait to tell you about this hike because it's not a super trying hike. It is actually a very doable hike. But what it has going for it, in my opinion, is multiple features. There's roughly, to my account, I would say four solid features that in and of themselves, here in the great state of Arkansas, the natural state, that has an incredible number of hikes to beautiful features such as Pam's Grotto, Glory Hole Falls, like Tea Kettle Falls, you name it. We've got Spaniard Falls, Spainhour Falls. We've got things everywhere. Usually there's like one major feature, a lot of wilderness, a lot of scenic beauty on the way to a main feature. This hike itself is an easy hike that has four, in my opinion, four major features, any of which would constitute a hike on their own anywhere else in the state of Arkansas. This little hike has four all together. And I'm going to walk you through the hike as I took it um, sometime last year. It was, it, I can't remember if it was late winter or early winter. All I know is there was snow on the ground, snow in the trees. It was very early. It was magical. It was absolutely beautiful. It was also absolutely frigid. But there was plenty of water flow. And the important thing about that you need to know, like we just talked about how many people are in these areas. This area... The Lost Valley Trail from anyone outside of area that might want to come check out what we've got going on here and is unfamiliar with the uh, Ponca area. There's a lot going on in Ponca. Okay, you have the Buffalo Outdoor Center, which I mentioned at the top of the top of the show, and also JB Supply Company, which are two great places where you can resupply, you can camp, you can hike, you can rent a cabin. Um, they've got food, they've got maps, they've got everything you could possibly need. Both of them have been incredibly good to me over the years, and that's why I added them in tonight as quote-unquote sponsors of the show. They are not, in fact, sponsoring this show. That's just me giving them some free advertising and giving them some uh, visibility out there in the world because they're, they're great places and they're pretty dang good people as best I can tell, and they have all the stuff you need to get you going out there. But it's really kind of the tourist center of the Upper Buffalo area. It's where you can do everything right from that area. There are multiple hikes that can be hiked from just a 10 or 12 mile stretch of highway in that general area. And you can do a lot of things from there. You can also get on the river when the water's right from there, from multiple canoe outfitters. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity. There are a lot of people. Like I didn't even mention the elk right there by Boxley Valley and by the Boxley Historic District. You have both of those things you can check out. See all the elk. See all the historic buildings that are still extant in that area, or at least some of them. They're spread out across the mountain. You can see a lot of the places on multiple hikes through the area if you're into history. But this is kind of the epicenter for the upper Buffalo region. Lost Valley is right here in this area, so there are going to be a lot of people around. If you will go early, if you will work your plan and work your schedule so you go out on some of these major hikes and go early, be on trail by 7 or 8 a.m., I mean preferably even earlier, but 7 or 8 a.m. by the latest, you will get the trail mostly to yourself. This is something you need to know, and I live and die by this rule. Um, I do most of my hiking in the winter because I spend most of my summers on the rivers. Um, and also in the winter, with all of our waterfalls, you have the best opportunities to have water flow short of spring. But, you know, spring comes, I'm getting back on the river. Um, but if you go early, you will skip most of the crowds and you will have some of these amazing features all to yourself, which is very significant. 
if you are a photographer and you lack long exposure photography, you know how hard it can be to set up those steps and how time consuming it can be to get those pictures. Those photographs, they're really hard to get when people are wandering in and out of frame and you're just waiting your turn, waiting your time. Any of you photographers, you know what I'm talking about. Same old, same old game. We've played it. As long as you are patient and courteous, usually people will give you a shot to get your pictures, but it's still a time-consuming process and kind of a pain in the tail for everyone. But if you go out on these hikes early and you get out there early enough, you don't even have to worry about it. Pam's Grotto is one of the falls we have here in Arkansas. It's an absolutely beautiful waterfall. I got in a picture of it that is very top of my list for pictures I've ever taken from behind the fall under the grotto looking out towards autumn colored trees and it's just perfectly framed. I never would have got that picture had I not taken that picture at about 6:45 a.m. because by nine o'clock by the time I left the grotto there was a stream of people heading up the trail. Okay, so just understand that. We are the natural state, and the people that live in this state are all about it, and also about a half a million Texans. We have lots of Texas plates in the Buffalo River area every weekend. Kind of a destination for those folks down there. So just be aware. Get out early. Get out early if you want to get the pictures, and if you want to experience, even if you're not a photographer, even if you're not after the photographs, if you're after that natural experience, if you're after that little bit of a sanctuary, if you are like me and find your spirituality out there in nature, and no matter what you believe, if you believe that's one of the places that you can get in touch with whatever it is you believe in, you want to go early. You want to go early and you will have the quiet majesty of the Arkansas Ozarks, the mountains, the wildlife, and everything that goes therein all to yourself for a couple of hours if you go early enough. And because there are other people that occasionally think like we do and go out there early, guess what? When you do run into those folks out there on the trail at 6.45, 7, 7.30 a.m., 8 o'clock, they're going to be very respectful, very courteous, and usually you probably just made a new friend. Just stop by, say hi, hey, this is what I'm doing, how are you doing, and kind of give them an idea of what you're after, and they'll let you know what they're after, and you can respectfully give each other your space and the time you need to do what you're doing, and more often than not, it results in a new friend on Instagram or Facebook, or for me, sometimes a new podcast listener. So just, you know, little word to the wise. Go out early if you want the place to yourself. When you go out at 9, 10, 11 o'clock like most people do, they do whatever they do the night before. They sleep in. They're on their weekend or they're on vacation. Sleep in for an hour or two, have a lazy breakfast, troll around up at BOC or up at J&B or whatever they're doing, wherever they're at. And then they get out on the trail and there can be a lot of uh, log jams on the trail. Lots and lots and lots of people out. So word to the wise, trip plan accordingly to that. Um, so on to the Lost Valley hike. It is called the Lost Valley Trail. It is 3.7 kilometers long with a 77 meter elevation gain. Most of that elevation gain happens towards the very end, towards the uh, crowning jewel of what it is that you are out here to see. Um, and we're going to tell you about that towards the end of the hike. But it is a really easy hike from experience. I have a video on it, an experiential YouTube video on it at our YouTube. Um, that is youtube.com forward slash wayward stories. And you can actually see everything there is to see on the trail in, you know, high def. I got a pretty dang good video. It's one of the better videos I've been able to get on one of my hikes. So if you want to go check it out, 
go to our YouTube and you can scroll back a ways and find it. And it says basically inside Eden Falls Cave. And that's what we're going to be pushing to as the crowning jewel of this little hike um, as we continue. Um, the beginning of the trail is super easy. The first more than half of the trail is broad. It's wide. It's very broad. It's gravel. It's very smooth. I mean, it's almost ADA accessible. I didn't look to see if it is considered ADA accessible, but I mean, you're from experience, you could make it happen whether it is designated or not and actually meets those requirements. I cannot tell you right now as of the time of this recording, but I can tell you that you could make it happen for the first big section. That unfortunately doesn't take you to any of the actual features, but you can go a long ways in on this trail. And I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is just, it's a super easy flat trail for the first however long, more than half of it. Very easy trail, but it is beautiful scenery alongside Clark Creek, which is the creek that makes up everything going on in this valley. All the waterfalls we're going to talk about are in Clark Creek. Um, it is karst topography, which is typical of the Arkansas Ozarks, Missouri Ozarks, which simply means there's lots of sinkholes, there's lots of collapsed cave systems, there's tons of caves. It's a very geologically diverse area. It's very interesting, lot to look at, lots of beautiful rock formations, even when there isn't a lot of water flow. In a lot of places, you've got stream piracy going on. You can walk alongside Clark Creek. That particular day, I walked alongside Clark Creek for probably four or 500 meters at one point, and there wasn't a drop of water in it. And I was kind of thinking to myself, is this a bad sign? Am I not going to get an Eden Falls today? And then I got to the falls and there was an enormous flow of water. It just disappears underground into an underground cave system only to reemerge further downstream in Clark Creek. Um, it's very interesting stuff. Lots of natural beauty to see even on the first half of the hike that's super easy to hike. When you get to your first split in the trail... This is where everything gets going and where it gets very interesting. You get to your first split in the trail and you always go right, stay right. And Lost Valley Trail, always stay right. When you come to your first split, go down to the right and you will come immediately upon what is known as Natural Bridge. Um, what it amounts to on the side facing you as you approach it initially, it looks a lot like a cave, which it is just a small cave, but it's a cave that the water comes out of into immediately into probably a six to seven foot cascade coming down into a large pool and you can access this thing from all sides guys like you can walk around you can walk around the inside of the bluff face and get all the way to the cave itself and in drier weather or if you're say in summer when it's warmer and you're wearing your keens or whatever kind of hiking sandals you have on you can actually walk under the natural bridge and come out on the upstream side of this formation. It's a very, very cool thing. And it's a really, really great opportunity for you long, um, long exposure photographers. It's a really, really beautiful shot. Of course, early morning, the sun is shining into the valley from your back. If it's not a cloudy day, I hope you've got some good neutral density filters and know how to work those guys. You're not going to be able to play with the system at all. Cloudy days help us photographers out a great deal when we want long exposure and we're not quite rich enough to really buckle down and spend the four or $500 for really, really good filter systems. Um, so depending on the weather, this is a great long exposure photography shot. 
if you're just a good photographer and know what you're doing, which is not me. But if you're one of those guys, like this is a great opportunity here for some long exposure. Really, really beautiful place to set. Listen to the water if you're this there to experience things. It's a really, really beautiful scene. And when you come out from there, you'll kind of backtrack a little bit and then you'll start back up the trail, staying to the right. And you'll immediately make an elevation gain and you'll be on the top end of this natural bridge. And you can see the other side from above, probably, I would say, better than 20 feet. Don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say probably between 15 and say 30 feet below you is the water coming into that natural bridge area into that short cave and you can see it very well and it's a really really neat feature to look at it's really quite stunningly beautiful it's really an amazing thing to see in person especially with a good water flow like that really kind of seals the deal it really sets it off as you continue on up from there again staying to the right the next thing that you will come across is going to be Cobb cave Cobb cave is interesting in multiple ways. One of the first things about it you should know is it's not actually a cave. It's kind of a rock shelter, um, kind of a bluff house, a bluff shelter, or a rock house as we know them here in Arkansas because they nearly always showed signs of Native American inhabitation. Um, this is so-called Cobb Cave, not because some man named Cobb discovered this cave, as is usually the case. No, it actually means Cobb like corn cob, because... The remnants of 600-year-old corn cobs preserved in the perfectly arid environment of this cave, of this overhang, were there and still extant. They did uh, the University of Arkansas. They came and did an archaeological survey of the site, and they came away with multiple corn cobs and even really large portions of intact baskets to carry those corn cobs in that are literally carbon dated to over 600 years old, old, puts it into the 1400s CE. It's incredibly interesting. They were very well preserved. And the fact that archaeologists got to them and were able to save and preserve some of them before the rest of us doltish humans found something, thought, oh, that looks cool, and then trampled it into the ground, it actually got preserved and studied to a certain extent. The other thing that's really significantly interesting about Cobb Cave is it's almost an optical illusion. As I walked up on it, looking across the valley, I suppose because of the height of the bluffs, I mean, right here is also a really great place to see some of those signature limestone dolomite bluffs that make up what is the upper Buffalo area. This is a great place to see some of those. And towards the bottom of one of those is the giant crevice that is Cobb Cave. As you're looking at it, and I suppose maybe it's the lighting, maybe it's the height of the bluff, maybe it's the distance from you across Cobb Creek and into this little valley. You just think, oh, that looks like a really cool rock overhang. But then for me, I suddenly realized I saw something moving in there into my perception. And I'm not like trying to over dramatize this. I'm not trying to play this up too much, but it almost made me think, is there like, oh, is there a raccoon running around in the bluff shelter? Is there a small thing like a small animal down in the bluff shelter? And when I fixated on the moving object, I realized it was a person. And that person was standing next to a boulder that to me looked like kind of a small, I don't know, 
big dumpster-sized boulder. This thing was more like the size of a house. This little dot was a human. And from my perspective, it just suddenly became apparent to me the enormity of the size of this bluff shelter. And it was like almost shocking. I was like, how could my eyes deceive me so much? It was just a perception thing. When you get there with a person in there, because we're all very familiar with the size of a human between usually five to six feet tall is a pretty average human, roughly around six feet is pretty average. To see a little dot that you think is like a small mammal when it catches you in the peripheral of your vision and you look over to fixate on it and boom, suddenly you realize, oh my God, that's a person. And that is a huge, huge bluff shelter. Then it becomes even more beautiful because then you can really appreciate what's special about it. You can really appreciate it for what it is. And it was an enormous shelter. And I went in and explored and looked around and looked at some of these house-sized boulders laying around down in there. And it was a very, very cool thing to check out. So, you know, right there, we're into two major features that would be, in and of themselves, their own hike in basically any other place here in the state of Arkansas. It's about time to head on up to Eden Cave and then from there work our way up to the crown jewel of this hike. But first, we need to hear a word from our sponsors. We got to keep these lights on here in Studio 119. I want to take a second to tell you guys about tonight's sponsor, Survival Feeling. Survival Feeling is a hiking brand based in Greece, and they offer an assortment of gear that's aimed towards the goal of helping you better enjoy your time outside. And that is, of course, what we are all about here at Wayward Stories. I really like this company for a lot of reasons, but chief amongst them is that they were founded with giving back to the community in mind. They donate a portion of all proceeds to organizations like the Wildland Firefighters Foundation to help support those who work to keep us all safe while we're out there trying to find ourselves. We've partnered with them to bring you guys a unique coupon code that will save you wayward souls 15% off of your order. Go to survivalfeeling.com and use offer code waywardstories at checkout. I think you guys will like what they have to offer and what they're all about just as much as I do. Once again, that's survivalfeeling.com and use the offer code waywardstories. And welcome back, all of you wayward souls. Thank you for being patient with us and listening to that word from our sponsors. And we would like to encourage you to please support them. If you go over and check out Survival Feeling, make sure and put in that offer code. It helps them see that we're actually getting them business and helps them to continue sponsoring the show. It's very important stuff for us. But now it's time to move on to the end of this hike and the two biggest goals that you're after when you go on this hike. From Cobb Cave, you're going to start your way on up. And the very next thing, and it's not very far on up, it's just around the bend just a little bit, not even much of a bend. You can hear the roar if the water flow is high. While you're at Cobb Cave, you can hear the roar and you know what's coming. And as you crest the trail, you start a few steps and then you have to do a little rock crawling. Not really crawling, it's hiking. Don't let me mischaracterize it. But as you come around the bend and you see between these two boulders, suddenly the fall appears before you. It's it's. A beautiful, beautiful waterfall. From your perspective, as you approach from Cobb Cave, the very first thing you can see is the waterfall itself, the main fall, which is a 53-foot drop. That is Eden Falls. Just above it is about a 5-6-foot to six foot single drop fall into the pool just before it comes over the main fall. 
As you continue to work your way around the fall to the south, you will see that above that fall is another six to eight foot single drop. And essentially you have several single drop waterfalls coming down the mountain into the main fall. And it is absolutely beautiful. It is absolutely picturesque and incredible to look at. I got several several good pictures from there. I was in broad daylight and with my limited um, equipment and my limited resources for my hobby of photography, I came away with a couple I was happy with and were workable, but they were not what I know they could be if I had the experience, the money and the equipment um, to take them properly. But doing the best I could with it, I still came away with some amazing pictures. And for any of you guys that just like pictures for your Instagram and you're not really into long exposure, you're not really into the photography, you can still get some really beautiful, amazing still frames of this waterfall and some amazing video of it. The flow is right. It has a very picturesque beauty to it. It has almost a seductive beauty to it because there's the way it cascades from one small fall to another small fall to another small fall in kind of a serpentine fashion and then drops into the pool above Eden Falls and then Eden Falls takes like a 90 degree turn from the general serpentine direction of the other falls and just comes right over the bluff. It kind of hits where the bluff turns out at the bottom and it gets a really nice spray effect and for long exposure you can get some really nice shots with those little white fingers of water down at the bottom and for just regular photography it's absolutely beautiful it it literally kind of does it has almost a seductive beauty to it because it has lots of really really beautiful kind of natural curves and natural angles built into it um it's just a very beautiful very picturesque natural wonder that we have here in our state and that alone that's worth the whole hike because it's not it's not even a hard hike. I've seen it listed as moderate. I, it's an easy hike for more than half of it. I would say 60% of it's super easy. Then the next 20% might, might branch into moderate to get to Eden Falls itself. Barely. Low end of the spectrum. Where it gets into moderate, in my opinion, is from this point on. And that's where we're going next. But that's not a lot of people aren't even fully aware of what's next. Eden Falls, too many people, is the end of their route. It is the end of their hike. And they're really, they're basically just unaware that there's more to go do. And for some people, it might not be more to go do. We're going to talk about it in just a second. But here at Eden Falls, while we're here, we're just going to touch on all of this. It's a great, great place to get your feet wet in the summer, I would say, if there's enough water in the spring when there's water flow. It's a great place to get your little feet wet and kind of cool off. It's got a nice deep pool at the bottom. It's very beautiful. It's better, very picturesque for picture taking, for photography. Um, and to that point, mostly an easy hike with just maybe a little bit of moderate if, if we're going to be generous to go with what All Trails wants us to think about it. It's a very simple hike and very beautiful. And that alone all in and of itself is enough reason to make this hike. But from this point on, if you want to be just a little bit more adventurous, if you want to see yet another really incredible natural wonder, there is something that lies beyond Eden Falls on the Lost Valley Trail hike. A short hike, a short but I would say high-end moderate to low-end strenuous in places, hike up the hill 
above Eden Falls will take you to Eden Falls Cave. There's a cave at the top of the bluff line up the hill from Eden Falls. And the water that is feeding Eden Falls itself is pouring therein again of itself out of a cave down another pretty large waterfall as it works its way down. And when you're at this point, the mouth of your, the cave is right there next to you. When you're at this point, you can look back down the valley to the top of Eden Falls. You can look back down the valley and see Cobb Cave to a certain extent. You can see Clark Creek below you going through multiple, multiple short drop waterfalls and cascades pouring out from this cave going all the way down to get to the top of Eden Falls Cave or Eden Falls itself. This is a beautiful place to take a photograph. This is also a beautiful place to sit with yourself and commune with nature, commune with what you believe in in this world, or simply just center. Um, I've learned recently there's a lot of people out there that are doing a thing called barefooting. has a lot to do with grounding. Um, this would be a great place to do a little barefooting. be a great place to do a little grounding. This is a beautiful and a very magical place to hang out for a minute if you have it to yourself and you can get it to yourself. Absolutely picturesque, stunningly beautiful. But at this point, you have the option of doing one of two things. You can sit here and ground and center and take your photographs and commune and, you know, possibly find yourself if you want to. Um, and then head back down the trail and go home. Or if you're a little bit more adventurous, you got a little bit of physical capability, not a whole lot, don't have to have a ton, just um, a little bit. You can go into Eden Falls Cave. Why would you want to do that? Well, for one thing, you know, it's just a cave. Who doesn't want to go in a cave? I will say this one's a little bit tough to access right at the jump. It's very slick. Okay, like disclaimer up front. If you go up there and you try this and you fall down in the water and get swept over the falls and die, like my mom used to say, if you break both of your legs, don't come running to me. I didn't tell you to do this. I am warning you right now, if you do, and there's nothing wrong with it, it's not trespassing, it's open to the public, but if you do, it is slicker than greased alsnot. The algae, the mosses in that cave on those wet rocks, like, you can be aware of how slick it is and try to be careful and it's still going to take you out. You have to be more than careful. You have to be overly cautious about this because the penalty for slipping and falling isn't just a broken coccyx. It's not just a bruised booty. It could be far greater than that because if the water sweeps you at all on your little slippy slidey way and you go over the fall coming out of the cave, it's not going to end well. It's going to be a very bad day. You're not going to enjoy that day. Um, you might not enjoy any more days after that either. I'm just saying, just be aware. It's overly cautious. Okay. We're being overly cautious here. But right out of the gate, when you go in, you have to jump across a little opening, like a little bit of the channel of the creek coming out. And you kind of sort of have to jump. Or you can go up a little bit further and really risk slipping and falling on your butt, which is less risky for falling out of the mouth of the cave. But you're definitely going to get wet going that route. Either way, a little bit sketch. Right at the beginning, it's a little bit sketch. Um, as far as your personal physical safety goes, it's sketchy in other ways too, in other places. But that right there, physical safety, it's a little bit sketchy. I should mention this is 
one of the only two, to my understanding, in the state of Arkansas, from my research earlier, that are wild and unimproved caves that are actually still open to the public. Um, I mean, a matter of fact, most of the caves we have in Arkansas have been closed to the public because of that white nose syndrome with the bats for God, how many years? Shoot, I've been divorced three and a half years. I was married for eight years. I dated my ex-wife for 10 years. So we're talking 15 years ago. I remember when we were dating that we were going up to try to quote unquote spelunk. This would have been 07, 08, 09. I mean, that was like, <laughs> that can't really be called spelunking up at Devil's Den. But like Devil's Den was known for its caves. Like that was one of the things everyone went there to do. And at that time, people still were. But like right around that time frame, 07, 08, 09, somewhere in there, they closed them all because of the white nose syndrome. So multiple years, that's a hot button topic here in Arkansas for multiple reasons. And we're not going to go there. I don't really have an official stance on it personally, but almost every cave in the state's been closed for probably 10 years or longer. Let's just say that and be generous, be conservative with our estimate. But this cave is open as is one other cave. But this cave is open. It's not improved. There are no handholds. There's no lighting. There's no walkway. There are no steps. It's just a cave. And you are allowed to go into it. You would have to check for current COVID restrictions because some of those things are still out there right now. But it is an accessible cave. As such, it's also not an easy cave to work your way back into. I stood there and was thinking about whether I was going to do this or not. We mentioned a couple of episodes ago. I mentioned how I'm getting older and having now a child that I care deeply for and recognize and see how much she needs her parents. I make more cautious decisions than I might have 10 years ago. Definitely more than I would have made 20 years ago. I made some really, really stupid decisions when I was in my 20s. Good grief. But I make more cautious decisions. So I was actually considering, I was there alone, and I was considering, do I want to go back in this cave? Because I don't know what I'm getting into for sure. I know what I've heard is back there. I know what I've heard about it. But you never really know what it's really like until you do it yourself. And I mean, it's even subjective to you. Somebody else who said this wasn't that bad, I made it no problem, might be totally physically fit. It might be a Michael Phelps. This guy might be able to, you know, swim a billion laps. This guy might be a Lance Armstrong. Who knows who's given that review and how physically fit they are. It might not be a big deal to them. And it might be a huge deal to me or to you. So even that's kind of subjective, right? You have to take that into account. And like I mentioned Right out of the gate, there's a little bit of a questionable decision to make about how I'm going to go back in here, and I'm here alone. So I was really thinking about this, and I was like, but I've made it all the way to here. I'm already out here today. I'm already wet. My feet are already wet, and it's literally like 200 feet back in this cave. There is something that I really want to see, something special, and I actually was about to opt out. Because I was uncertain of what was going on in there. I was uncertain of my ability by myself in the situation I was in. And along came three young gentlemen with a dog. And they were going in. They didn't even, I mean, they stopped and said hi. They were courteous. But like they didn't even pay any mind to me. They were just on their way in. So I thought to myself, now is the moment. We're going in. If these guys are going, there's safety in numbers. I'm going with them. So I jumped on the back of the group and went in with them. I do have footage of my time in this cave on that video I mentioned earlier on our YouTube. You can go see it if you want to go check that out. As we went into the cave, this dog, he 
was doing pretty darn good. He was a little bit of a little mountain goat working his way in. But it is, guys, understand this. It is 200 feet to the back of this cave. At the time we were there, there was plenty of running water, which is what you want. There's not a lot of amazing reasons to go into this cave if there's not a lot of water flow. Um, So you have a lot of moving water. Everything is really, really slick. And there's some really, it's not easy. It's a crawl. It's a definite scramble. This isn't a part of a hike, y'all. You're not walking in. You can walk in certain places for maybe 40 or 50 or 60 feet, but real soon it's a squat. And before much longer than that, you're crawling through a little crack to go over into another area that's maybe only three or four feet high and you're squatted down. Now you're kind of scrambling crab style further forward and suddenly you reach a point where you realize that I have to crawl. I have to crawl to go onto the back of this cave. Granted, there's only about 40 to 50 feet left to be standing in an open room, but it's a 40 or 50 foot crawl under solid rock. And there's a certain claustrophobia, guys, that comes along with that. Okay, this has been here tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever, you're, who cares, whatever you believe. It's been here a long, long time. But for some reason, that little voice in the back of your head's like, boy, it'd suck real bad if you were down here crawling and this thing caved in, wouldn't it? How unreasonable is that? It's incredibly unreasonable. How ridiculous is that? It's incredibly ridiculous. But when you're in that moment, on your stomach, crawling through water, push-up style. Guys, I was basically doing a push-up, and I don't even do push-ups. I'm not even good at push-ups. But I'm basically doing a push-up and crawling my way back into the cave sideways, trying to keep as much of my body out of the, the water at the bottom of the cave as possible. And I mean, you're in there with headlamps, right? It's pitch dark. It's darker than night. There is no starlight. There is literally no ambient light whatsoever, except from the lights from your headlamp and the guys in front of you. Well, their headlamps are pointing a different direction. They're not looking at you and they're not there to help you out, find your way through. I'm sure they would have, but I wasn't asking for assistance. You know what I mean? You're in the pitch black with nothing but your headlamp and solid rock that weighs billions of tons directly against your back. And you've got a few inches between you and the ground. It was a very, very interesting experience, but I pushed on because all three of them did it and the dog did it. And really, I think it was the dog's mocking of me that really urged me on to the end. Because as I was sitting there, I had to take my backpack off. I had to lose pieces of gear to be able to squeeze through this little crack in the crawl. And as I was there, there was a moment where I stopped and I was assessing my options. And I was like, really, man, really, am I going to do this? And the dog comes running back to me with his tail wagon and licks me right in the eyeball as if to say, come on, you sissy weasel. I did it. And I couldn't argue with that. He did do it. And he's a dog. So I continued to crawl and the payoff was worth it because when I finally opened up into the room, there is a open kind of cathedral, very small cathedral style room at the back of this cave, 200 feet into the side of the mountain. And there is a waterfall plunging 30 plus feet to the bottom of the cave where you were standing. There's a 30 plus foot waterfall. I've seen it differing between 30 and 35 feet. I don't know who's gone in there and measured it. So I don't know what the accurate elevation is, but a 30 to 35 foot heavily flowing when we were there, go watch the video but a heavily flowing waterfall pouring over a ledge that you can't see. I mean, it's right at roof level. It's really interesting. Pouring out of a little crack, just pouring into the floor below you. 
And it was really amazing. It was really amazing to be in the earth, literally 200 feet below. Well, I don't want to say below ground, sideways into the mountain. 200 feet in a little cathedral room with a waterfall, a 35-foot waterfall, just pouring over a tiny ledge, the very top, right at the ceiling level. One of those things you don't get to see a lot in life, and especially not in a wild cave setting. Because many caves that are improved caves, Arkansas has lots of caves. Missouri has lots of caves that are improved, like commercialized caves with walkways and lights and tram rides and God knows what else. No, this is literally, you got to find your way back in there. you got to crawl your way into it. To be fair, it's not like it's super unsafe. There's only one place to go and only one way out. You can't go in there and get lost. Okay, you could go in there and hit your head and get knocked unconscious. There are things that could go wrong, absolutely. But you're not going to go in there and get lost. It's not super dangerous. Um, It's not adrenaline junkie dangerous. But it does have inherent dangers associated with it. But it's absolutely worth it if you're physically capable of getting your body back there. It's worth getting soaking wet for. It's worth getting on your hands and knees for. And it's worth battling through two or three minutes of claustrophobia on a 30 or 40 foot crawl at most to get to that open cathedral room. And if it helps you to decide you would like to do that anymore at all, we discovered once the four of us were in there and we spent, uh, yeah, we spent longer than I expected to. I'd say 10 or 12 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And all of us just kind of standing there putting flashlights everywhere we could find to put them in this little cathedral room just to see all the different angles, see the way the water looked. I got video of it. It's horrible audio because I nearly busted my lavalier mic crawling through the crawl. Um, But if you go watch it, you will get an idea of what it looks like. And for perspective, you know, because I'm telling you now, that's a 30 foot, 30 plus foot drop of that waterfall. But we stood there for quite a long time. But then those three guys figured out if they waded through the pool of water at the bottom of the fall, there was a way out that didn't require crawling on your stomach. And they shimmied their way sideways. It's still a tight fit, but you're moving sideways upright. The way I came in and they came in initially, you're moving sideways horizontally. It's not nearly as comfortable. I did not get to experience the way out that included walking because I had to drop my backpack halfway through the crawl in order to make it through the the space. So I had to go back the way that I came because I had to get my backpack and all of my camera equipment and everything that was in it. Um, but it was really, really neat. It's a really, really exciting thing to do guys. I'm telling you, you need to go and check it out. If you get the chance, lost Valley trail, four major features, natural bridge with a cascade Cobb cave with some history and just absolutely impressive, massive feature in the landscape with the huge limestone bluffs above it. Um, Eden Falls itself alone, you could get those three and you would come away a winner. But if you want to take it that next step, make a short hike, short moderate hike up the hill and take a 200 foot scramble to the back of Eden Falls Cave and see a 30 to 35 foot waterfall cascading down inside a mountain, inside a tiny cathedral room. Guys, like I said, most features in Arkansas, most trails in Arkansas, the very, very, very um, popular ones have but one feature at the end. Hawksbill Crag. 
the Hawks Bill Crag is the feature at the end. Like, there's just the natural Arkansas beauty along the way. There's a few, like, balancing rocks here and there, but nothing that's going to blow your mind. Hawks Bill Crag is the only reason you make that long hike down in there. Hemmed in hollow. Really the only reason you make that hike. As far as features, yeah, you're making the hike because you want to hike. Because you want to be out there with nature. Because you want to see. And it is naturally beautiful. That's the Ozarks. The entirety of the Ozarks are naturally beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. So that's everywhere you go. You can drive down the road and see that. But if you're making a hike because you want to see an impressive natural feature, one feature is usually what's at the end of your hike. God, we talked about Big Bluff. That's a tough hike for one thing. To see the Buffalo River from Big Bluff, 350, 305 feet or 350 feet, whatever it was, above the river, above the valley, on the sheer face of Big Bluff, which in and of itself is 505 feet tall, right? One feature to cap it off. This hike, Lost Valley Trail, has four features, four things worth seeing, and it's an easy hike. It's an easy drive to get to, and it's literally right in the heart of, like I said, kind of the epicenter of the upper Buffalo area and all of the opportunities for recreation that exist therein. When you finish the hike, you can go right back up to JB Supply, or Trading Company, I mean. You can go right back up to BOC. You can get a cold drink. You can get a sandwich. You can get a hot meal at JB. I'm not sure if you can at BOC. I don't remember. And then you can take off and go watch the elk play. You can go down and check out some of the historic buildings in the Boxley Historic District. The Low Water Bridge across the Buffaloes right there. If you have your fishing gear and you're so inclined, you can catch some quality smallmouth anywhere along the Buffalo River right there. Um, You want to camp? Like, guys, there's multiple, multiple options for staying up there. There are tons and tons of really beautiful lodges and Airbnb um, options that have been popping up. People are building really beautiful cabins to rent out. They come at a premium price point. Don't take me wrong, but that is an option you have. If you want a cheaper option, you can go camping. And I'm going to actually read to you just a short little section here from the Buffalo Outdoor Center's website, actually, buffaloriver.com's best upper buffalo camping tips. Give you an idea of what you can get into with camping. This is all right in the uh, Ponca area. National Park Service campsites in the Upper River District are first come, first serve. They're $12 per night, up to six campers per site. Each site has a campfire ring, level, grassy tent area, picnic table, and a pole for an outdoor lantern. There are no electric hookups at Upper River campground sites. Drinking water and flushable toilets are available through November 15th of every year. Cell service is very limited. It doesn't exist. When I say very limited, it doesn't exist. You have to go to BOC or JB Trading and get on their Wi-Fi. Like, cell service doesn't exist there. Um, You may be able to have intermittent cell service at Steel Creek. They say that. Yeah, don't count on it. Um, And there's absolutely no service at Kyle's Landing. RVs and campers are not permitted in upper district campgrounds due to the steep terrain and or unimproved road conditions. Dispersed camping is permitted. This one's important for a lot of us. But you must camp at least a half mile from an official National Park Service campground. Basically, dispersed camping. Pick a place and camp. Do it responsibly. Build a fire ring responsibly. Do it all responsibly. But you can't do it within a half of a mile from a National Park Service campground. You need to be on their grounds if you're in the area or a half mile further away from it. But there is dispersed camping. It is legal. And this is also a big note because we're talking about Lost Valley Trail. 
there are no longer any camping facilities at the Lost Valley Trailhead. This is from a few years ago when a big flood that happened up there and it destroyed the camp area there. I'm surprised they haven't rebuilt it yet and reopened it, but as of this right as of this recording in July, June of 2021, there's still no um campground there. But basically, guys, you have multiple options. BOC, JB. I believe JB actually has RV sites because I saw them when I was there. BOC has cabins they can rent. There are multiple cabins you can find online. It's Airbnbs and lodges. And there's a crap ton of camping. Guys, there are multiple camp places, multiple national park camps. And all you've got to do is get on the all interwebs, Google it up and pick out what you want, find your price point and go with it from there. You are in the epicenter of the beauty of the upper Buffalo wilderness area when you're in Ponca. And this hike we talked about tonight is just but one of the many things you can do in that area. Guys, the Big Bluff hikes right up the road from there. Guys, the Hemden Hollow hikes right up the road from there. Guys, there's another hike that I should have added in as a bonus. Actually, let's talk about it just real quick. This will be a real short one. Um, Elise Falls hike. Elise Falls is right up the road. And it's actually called online Quivala Elise. I think that's the proper pronunciation. It's spelled Q-U-I-V-A-L-A. Sounds very French to me. I don't know. There are a lot of German settlers in the early days into Arkansas. Perhaps it's German, but it sounds French to me. I don't know what it means. Couldn't find the etymology on it. But Elise Falls, it's not a huge, massive, amazing fall, but it's a really easy hike to an absolutely incredibly serene little box canyon with a cascade waterfall at the end of it that will make you feel like you've walked into a set from the lord of the rings you guys watch the lord of the rings you watch the hobbit they shot all that stuff in new zealand and you see those landscapes and you see and you're like oh my god i want to go there this little 150 foot box canyon little shut-in as we call them around here with this little waterfall at the back of it is one of the most picturesque little waterfalls you will ever see in your life. It's absolutely gorgeous. I have pictures of it at the website. I have pictures of it on my Instagram. And I have a video from that hike that you can go watch on our YouTube. That's right up the road as well. And it's a super easy hike, guys. I think I mentioned in that video I was talking about this is perfect for the kids, the dogs. I mean, hell, if you walk your cat, you could probably walk your cat up in there. The only thing about that Quivala hike, the Elise Falls hike, is it's only 1.6 miles or 2.6 kilometers, but it is 124 meters of elevation gain. That's 406 feet. That is all coming out. You walk downhill, you drop 40 stories on the way in over one, well, if it's 1.6, that's only like 0.8 miles. You drop 40 stories in 0.8 miles going in, well, that means you have to come up 40 stories. 40 times 10. Yes. 40 stories on the way out in 0.8 miles, you know, less than a mile. It slaps. As that young lady said, that hike slaps on the way out. It's rough, but it's only because you're gaining elevation. The trail is smooth. It's easy to follow. It's easy to hike. It's a wonderful little trail. If you go do it, when you get to the bottom, you'll come to the Creek bed, take a left at the Creek bed, and then there'll be some really tiny little circular, almost like silver dollar sized, um, arrows they're painted in yellow and silver that point you into the hollow where the waterfall is and crawling back to it there is a little bit of scrambling involved but it's not hard if you are physically capable of walking you probably should be capable of getting to that waterfall within reason and guys it is it's like a little world away from the rest of the world it's like a different place it's like you've stepped into a different universe for a minute just that little canyon's beautiful you can see it 
You can go see it for yourself on my YouTube channel, Quivala Elise Falls. All of these things are right there. And also you can get on the river. So if you want to get on the river, it's the right time of year. You want to get out there and float, guys, you can do all of this from right there in the Ponca Wilderness, in the Boxley Valley. Guys, it's a beautiful place. It is a place with lots and lots to do to keep you and your family happy for several days. It's kept me happy for several years. Guys, it's an amazing place. Anyway, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. We have talked about everything I wanted to talk about, mostly the Lost Valley hike. Guys, go, come, wherever you're at, come and check it out. Spend some time in the Ponca Wilderness. Go up and see four amazing natural features on a really short, pretty dang easy hike in Lost Valley. And you've got all of these other things to choose from if you so want to do that. So y'all come on down here. If any of y'all ever do come to this area because you listened to the podcast and you did research and you came, shoot me an email or hit me up on Facebook, ping me on Twitter. Like, let me know. I would love to meet up with you and go on a hike with you guys. I think it would be totally rad to meet some of you people and like go out and do some outdoorsy stuff. That would be awesome. Anyway, anyway, just let me know. Just let me know. But let's wrap it up for tonight. Let's wrap it up and get on to working on next week's episode because that's just how this week's working out for me. I want to thank each and every one of you wayward souls who has come and checked in with us yet again. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice. It's very important to us and it helps us out more than you could ever know. Um, please submit your stories at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. You can go to our website at www.waywardstories.com to see photo galleries, all of my social media pages, all of our private pages, anything and everything that has to do with this project exists there at that address. You guys, we're going to get out of here for this week. Until next week, be good to each other. Get out there in the world and find something good to do and try to make this world just a little bit of a better place. Carry on.